Welcome to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Visit heartstrong.life forward slash login to access the notes from today and all the benefits of our membership community. One to the two and two to the three. Let the world see the Holy Trinity. Let's become HeartStrong Disciples of Jesus together. Good morning to each and every one of you. It's uh, wonderful to see you all on this happy, happy Tuesday. Um, as Lori said, you know, we, we definitely want truth from God's word, but I need to admit, Joshua, the chapters we're in, they're a little dry. We're going through some dry patches here. We're going through some land allotments. And so um, I'm going to jump a little bit all over the place today, uh, but hopefully kind of hone us in. But I thought it would be beautiful for us to take a moment and just just pray for the province of Saskatchewan and uh, just pray for the story that is unfolding there, um, the heartbreaking story that is unfolding there, and just pray for the Holy Spirit to do what the, only the Holy Spirit can. And so let's just take a moment and do that together. Heavenly Father, when we look at a lost and broken world, it, it seems as though there'd be no limit to its both lostness and brokenness that causes pain. And Father, when we see these things, our hearts cry that there's that, there's that Maranatha, come Holy Spirit, Lord, come quickly uh, in the midst of this pain. And so Holy Spirit, we just take a moment and lift up the province of Saskatchewan, every single victim, every single family, every single friend, uh, and for the one individual uh, who is still at large, Father, we just pray. We just pray that your hand would be over this whole situation. Father, we, we recognize and long for a world, Father, where all things are made new. But while we live in this one, Father, as we're going to read in a moment, there's work to be done. And so, God, do what only you can do. We just lift up the province and, and every aspect within it and every nuance within it. God, would you minister as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I know these chapters are, again, are a little bit dry, but they do hold significance for Israel and for us. And so before we arrive at reading just a few selections from Joshua's chapters 15 to 17, I want to read one important verse from the life of Jesus as he makes his way to Jerusalem. And it's kind of like our opening heartstrong thought. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says, when the days drew near, for him, for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And that's critical because sometimes we love to keep our options open. And this is wise. But other times in scripture, keeping our options open is a cowardly thing to do. Sometimes we need to commit, we need to engage, uh, and we need to set our face towards something even if it's going to be filled with great difficulty. And so what each of us needs in it, what you do, excuse me, what each of us needs is the discernment to know which is the correct posture, heart posture at a given moment in time. In Joshua chapter 13, verse one, as was our reading yesterday, 
It says, when Joshua was old and advanced in years, the Lord said to him, you are old and advanced in years. Isn't that nice of God? <laughs> you are old and advanced in years. And here's the resoluteness. There remains yet much, very much land to possess. So in other words, I understand in the natural, the circumstances of your life, but there's a call on your life that you need to keep your face resolute to what I've called you to do. In the remaining chapters of 13 and 14, we see a detailed outlining of the lands to the various tribes. And I'm going to take a moment now and just drop a little graphic into the chat for you if you want that. Um, it's there. It's just the divisions of land um, when you're reading these scriptures in Israel broken up so that you can kind of see them uh, and, and what they look like. Sometimes I need to see it visually. And I got this from the Bible recap. So credit where credit is due. So that's in the chat for us all. Um, and if you're watching this on replay, it's go I'm going to embed it in the notes. So you'll have that as well. Okay. Um, so again, in the remaining chapters of 13 and 14, we see a detailed outlining of the lands to the various tribes. And the ESV study Bible says, packed with geographical details are often lost on modern readers. The boundary descriptions and towns list that characterize the section were, were doubtless of great interest to ancient Israelites inheriting their allotments of land. And over time, the tribal allocations presented here undoubtedly became the basis for administrative documents, and these would have been subject to updating as new towns or villages were founded. And this reminds me of a particular verse in Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, verses 26 to 28 reads, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, referencing now God, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him. And so the sovereign hand of God continues even in this day, even the geographical patterns that we see. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and we move and we have our being. Even as even some of your poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. And so as this week, entire week, as we are reading through the various allotments of land, there's a timeless principle. In the world, God is always at work, differently, but at work. This you can trust. And speaking of work as it was then, it remains so today. There remains much work to be done. Our, our, only our work is not in possessing lands, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is seeing darkness dispossessed so that each individual, each person who then inhabits a geographical boundary, seeks God finds their way towards him, is set free from him, and then sets their face to continue this work in the hearts and lives of others. Dr. Glenn Packiam says something that I personally resonate with quite strongly. I believe with all of my heart that renewal or revival is coming to the church, but it won't be the revival of us taking back 
anything. It is going to be the revival of us laying down everything. It's the church returning to the way of the cross because we are Jesus people. To see God move again, sometimes what is needed most at times is like Caleb, as we read in Joshua's 13, chapter 13 to 17, is to be resolute in our assignment for us in our pursuit of following Jesus. And today's chapters of Joshua chapter 15 to 17 continue this thread of resoluteness, but they only do with an interesting shift in focus. One thing interesting about Caleb is he is from the tribe of, and I'm going to mess up all the tribes. I've worked on them, and I just, I'm at, I've, I, I struggle with names, so just give me grace here. But Kenizzites, all right, he's from the tribe of the Kenizzites, who's traced back to the ancestry of Kenaz, a descendant of Esau. And so going back to Genesis chapter 36, remember God blesses Jacob, who becomes Israel, not Esau. And so in a twist of irony, Caleb's name is similar to the Hebrew word for dog, which is celeb. In the New Testament, Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 15, verses 22 to 28. Behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is severely oppressed by by a demon. Remember, it's not really we're called to possess lands, but to dispossess what the enemy is doing. This we see Jesus doing. But he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was instantly healed. John Golden Gay draws the link between our chapters in Joshua and this moment in the life of Jesus by saying, Caleb was the ultimate faithful dog, and he ate more than crumbs. With Joshua, this man who was not born an Israelite had much confidence that Yahweh could uh, could give the people the land. In doing so, he reminds Israel again that being born an Israelite does not not precious little for you unless you remain committed to Yahweh and that not being born an Israelite does not exclude you from being the latter in Christ, even though a Gentile grafted in and adopted. And so each and every one of us can this morning say, thank you, Lord, that we are adopted. We are grafted in. And so this thread of resoluteness and inequality woven through the chapter of chapters 15 to 17 is also addressed to women, in particular, Caleb's daughter. He is very much, very much, she has a very similar disposition to her father. Caleb's daughter, Aksha, she is an astute businesswoman, very much like we see later, like an Abigail and the woman described in Proverbs chapter 31. Women then, and even today, in many cases, have to develop strategies for living in male-heavy environments. 
And Joshua chapter 15, verses 13 to 17 says, According to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, he gave to Caleb, the son of Jephthah, a name I can't pronounce, a portion of the land of Judah, Kareth Araba, that is Hebron. Araba was the father of Anak. And Caleb drove out from there uh, the three sons of Anak. Sheshai, other names I can't pronounce, the descendants of Anak. And when he went up there, uh, from there, against the inhabitants of Debris. Now the name of, or Debire, maybe, maybe, uh, formerly of other names. And Caleb said, whoever strikes Kara Sephar and captures it, to him I will give Aksha, my daughter, as wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenzah, the brother of Caleb, captured it. Okay, different context of marriage back here. One time I saw on a bumper sticker, it said on a car that said, I support the biblical definition of marriage. And I just was like, ooh, be careful there. There's a lot of different definitions of marriage in the Bible. Okay, that was just a little ha-ha moment. I'm circling back. The brother of Caleb had captured it, and he gave him Aksha, his daughter's wife. So we see the first, we see this first as Aksha is given from her father Othniel as a prize or reward for capturing Kareth Sephir. And if you recall how Caleb, with a resolute mindset and demeanor, addressed Joshua in the previous chapter, now you can pull those threads together and you're going to see a very similar disposition within his daughter. Since Aksha and Othniel live in the Negev, which is the desert, she shows incredible wisdom in the, in the, in the next chapters that we're going to read. She asks for two springs, the upper and the lower spring. So Joshua chapter 15, verses 18 to 19 reads, When she came to him, she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she got off her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you want? Let's pause here. Isn't it remarkable that before, sometimes before somebody says anything, just by looking at them, <laughs> you know sort of what they want to say and how they're going to engage it. So Caleb knows his daughter. She gets off her donkey and he says to her, what do you want? She said to him, give me a blessing. Since you have given me the land of the Negev, since you have given me essentially a desert, since you have given me that which is parched, since you have given me that which there is no life, give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Aksha, with wisdom, works within the system of her day to ensure a more favorable outcome for her family and her tribe. This seemingly common story highlights a very important understanding. And this morning, this is kind of where I would bring this to a funnel and say, like, in the midst of all the territories, and I know it's a bit dry. I hope this isn't. In the wilderness, God's provision to Israel was miraculous. It was fire by night, cloud by day. It was manna and it was quail. Yet as they begin to approach the promised land, under the leadership of Joshua, God remains Jaira. He remains provider, but his manner of provision is different. And this is what's important. His expectation is for both men and women, Caleb and Aksha, 
to use their God-given gifts. God has provided them abilities, intelligence, courage, and work ethic to provide for themselves. Jehovah is still Jireh, but his provision is now different. Sometimes today, we can fall prey to only labeling the miraculous as clouds of fire, or clouds, clouds by day, pillars of fire by night, or this supernatural provision by God. And it is, but it's not only how God provides. Oftentimes, the more you and I begin to work in the field of our purpose, the more difficult the work becomes. Yet it is in that place, oftentimes, where God desires us, you and I, to not limit his supernatural provision from external to us, but to use our our natural abilities, our intelligence, our work ethic, our acquired skills. And in the New Testament context, our spirit-empowered spiritual gifts that we are to use in our lives, for our lives, to bless others. And this is for God's glory. So here's what I'm saying. Much of what we do in the quote-unquote natural every day is still supernatural provision from God. It is why before a meal, when we'd have an opportunity to say grace, we are not merely thanking God for the food that is present. We are thanking God for his provision, his blessing in our lives, even for the skills and the ability to work, to create income, to do everything that kind of is from heart to table. We're praying and thanking the Lord for every piece of this because all of this is also how he shows himself as Jaira. Sometimes God fights on our behalf and everybody said, amen. Other times God equips us for a fight that we are to engage using everything he's given us. And this too is provision. And so God provides, yet God provides differently in the wilderness than he does in the land of promise. And that's really important to note. Many followers of Jesus feel as though, ah, when I'm finally in my purpose, that's when I'm going to like, everything's going to lock in. And what you'll discover is yes, when you're finally in your purpose, everything locks in. And so does an intensified battle. But this is what you were created and called to do. So you are purposed in it very much like the children of Israel. Caleb and his daughter Aksha are excellent examples of how God provides, albeit sometimes different than we expect. Situations don't need to be perfect to experience God's blessing or his provision. But obedience then and today is always required. Yesterday, or sorry, as we read in Joshua, not yesterday, right now, as we read in Joshua chapter 15, verse 63. There's a little hint here that we're going to pick up on later. But the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people of Judah could not drive out. If we rewound into earlier chapters of Joshua, chapters 13 and 14, you know what it said? It says they chose not to drive them out. And now it's saying they could not drive them out. So the Jebusites dwell with the people of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. A few questions as we close. 
how often do we settle for partial rather than full freedom to live with rather than to be free from how often do we do that how often are we looking for god perhaps to provide one way as he did in the wilderness when he is still jira and provider he is just providing differently now despite their or our falling short god is always at work we can celebrate he's a covenant keeping god but in my heart and yours could there be an area a scenario or a circumstance in your life where you are asking god to move and his answer to you is i have already given you everything you need it's your time to move it's your time to engage it's your time to exercise authority it's your time to exercise faith is there a persistent area in your life right now like a sacred echo that the lord is speaking to you about again and again it may not make much sense today or it may not seem like a real big deal right now but can you trust can you trust god who knows not only your today but your tomorrow could god perhaps in this day be speaking to you about something in the present that you don't see as a big deal but it will only become a big deal in the future listen for the sacred echoes of god when god speaks to us things that are important you'll find he'll speak again and again and again in different ways pay attention to those sacred echoes because they may not make sense in this moment but i promise you there will be a day where you look back and you'll go ah lord that's what you were doing let's pray heavenly father we thank you for your your word and as we read even about the boundaries and the allotments father in a way we thank you that your hand is not only over the small it's over the large and we also understand that there are limits then to our authority our assignment and what you called us to do or without making this about the, about us because it's not it's about the children of israel we can just see this is how you work and so father would you speak to our hearts today in a precious and profound way. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Have you ever joined one of our live online Bible studies? When you become a Heartstrong member, you will have access to all of our live Bible studies. These studies are amazing because we get to do it together. We listen to the teaching and then we spend about 30 minutes discussing what we have learned. You will hear powerful testimonies, insights, and questions and prayer times from people like you and me. We would love to see you there. Visit heartstrong.life and click membership to join. And we look forward to seeing you at one of our live online Bible studies soon. Let's become Heartstrong disciples together.